0: and welcome to another NL full-time podcast. There's five of us here, actually. Probably you'll hear from four of them, but our producer, Luke, is has joined us as well and no doubt will give us a few prompts as we go through, especially when he thinks of a few funny puns. It's not really our humour. It's Luke's and Dickie's mostly. and <laughs> um, We just nick them. Um, so, welcome. I'm Rob Worrell. Um, bit of a mixed podcast again this weekend. We're going to focus heavily on the third round of the FA Trophy, in which all the National League sides, uh, of course, have been or will be involved, uh, and many of the North and South sides too. Um, a good old handful of cup sets, if you want to call them that. Um, if you don't like that word, then a few shocks. Um, some more shocks than others, and uh, we're not going to say that the next one, this first one, is, uh, is the biggest but uh, when we play a little bit of uh, audio for you in just a minute, I'm sure you'll appreciate why we've led with it. Before we do that, let's introduce our uh, regulars first. And uh, here first, so I'll introduce him first. Wearing a cap, which can only mean he's having a worse air day than me. Good afternoon, Joe Pope.
1: Yeah, good afternoon. I've channeled my uh, my inner inner Gary Johnson with a cap on <laughs> this weekend. Uh, that's and what all wind invent- does to you.
0: You just invented a new word, good eve, good eve to noon. I like that. <laughs> uh, and a very good eve to noon to you as well, Dickie Wharton.
2: Yeah, uh, I don't know how to respond to that quite, but yes, good to see you. I you think, Joe, if you sit the cap a bit higher, you could uh, go for a Mark White look, possibly.
0: <laughs> and listeners, you can't see this, but just to the right of Dickie's head as we look, it is, I think, a lamp but it could also be like a tannoy sort of mouthpiece thing as well as we're looking at it. So I don't know if he's going to jump on there and do some PA announcements during the pod. And we've got a special guest as well. We've got a debut guest um, here to talk about one of the cup sets in the FA trophy and representing a team who are normally represented on this podcast by somebody else, by Mr. Tom Lang. But Tom, you screwed it up royally this weekend, didn't you? You went to the wrong game and uh, unfortunately now you've not been able to join us as well, but you sent an able deputy. Um, just a hello from Hampton and Richmond commentator Johnny Luter.
3: Good afternoon, everybody. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for having me on. I'm a, as I'm sure you can imagine, I'm absolutely
0: over the moon with what I witnessed on Saturday. Well... We don't have to imagine it, Johnny, because we're going to hear it. Um, I think the majority of you guys out there will know that South End played at home to Hampton and Richmond in the FA Trophy. And of course, End have picked up all sorts of thoroughly deserved broadits this year to how well they've done in adversity in the National League. They hold a very healthy position in the uh, league table, despite having been docked 10 points. And, of course, they still await the the finalities of of the takeover at uh, at, at Roots Hall. But it was FA Trophy business on Saturday. And uh, it ended all square after 90 minutes. And uh, only fair that we let Johnny take it from there.
3: So the fourth penalty take up. For Hampton and Richmond is Jake Gray, the captain, number 10. Gray, what can Jake from Gray from do from here? And it's in the back of the net by Jake Gray. Jake Gray sends it to the left-hand side, top left-hand corner. Hampton and Richmond have got another goal in this shootout.
2: Oh, God. Goodness. Wow.
3: Goodness me. Right. Over to you, Southend United. And it will be taken by Wesley Fonguk. Oh, God, goodness. Right. Wesley like Fonguk takes this one he's to score and it's yes! saved by Adam yes! De Hampton and yes! Richmond have qualified Hampton and oh, Richmond yes! will be going through to the fourth round of the FA Trophy it was saved by Adam De Ham Hampton and Richmond
0: are through Johnny I think we have a bit of an inkling that you enjoyed yesterday just tell us about your experience yeah I mean
3: going to Roots Hall that was like the first time I've ever been there and being with the Hampton and Richmond media team, you know, typically we don't go to these big clubs. Um, you know, like uh, South End United have such a pedigree in the EFL and they're obviously down in the National League at the moment. And so it was just an absolute pleasure to be going there uh, for my first time there. Um, and yeah, it was, it was such a great afternoon of football. Um, I mean, just to give you a brief summary of how the game was. Um, yeah. The United were terrific. Um, they um, they were dominant on the ball um, and had majority of the possession. Um, but Hampton and Richmond stood strong. Um, defensively were magnificent. Um, any questions that Southend United in the first half asked of Hampton and Richmond, we did just have the answers and kept the score level going into halftime. And then going into the second half, um, a good cross ball in from the um, number 16, Harry Taylor, just found the head of the captain of Southend United, um, Nathan Ralph, And Nathan Ralph just caressed the header into the bottom left-hand corner and our keeper, Adam Desbois, couldn't quite get to it to put them 1-0 up. Um, and at this point, obviously, in the nature of a cup game, um, Hampton and Richmond at this point, because you're losing at that stage, you have to go for it. So the game really opened up. Chances started going from end to end and then I believe it was Harry Cardwell was just coming in on goal for End. Um, Adam Daywell came out there was a bit of contact and the referee pointed to the spots which was rather upsetting for us Beavers um, and the penalty was converted putting Hampton and Richmond uh, two goals behind so at this point with only just I think it was just over yeah well that was just about halfway through the second half and then it meant Hampton Hampson Richard had a bit of a mountain to climb. Um, but the boys, they dug in and a poor back pass um, by Brooklyn Cabongolo to the keeper, David Martin, meant that our number nine, Ben Seymour darted in. And when the, when the angle was just closing all the time when he was on the ball, but he managed to put that in the net. And that was, and it took me by surprise, if I'm honest, I, 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 there was a big iron girder in the way. So I couldn't quite, couldn't quite see it fully, but it took me a bit by surprise, and Hampton and Richmond found themselves with um, just only one goal down at this point. So with um, so with ten minutes to go, um, so with, with ten minutes to go, um, Hampton and Richmond were still still in it basically, um, and we dug so deep, and it was getting to the 90th minute, and Hampton and Richmond are really going for it, and then we win a free kick right on the near side by the corner flag, and Rob Hall whips that in. And then it meets the head um of the South End defender, um, Gus Scott Morris, and it's in the back of the net. And let's just say, I mean, yeah, I was very, very happy with that. <laughs> yeah, and absolutely lost it. Uh, myself and the and the other and the other Hampshire Richmond Media team members just absolutely high on life at that point. I couldn't quite believe it. And that virtually was the last moment of the game. That was that that was it. So Proper last chance saloon, as you, as you as you could say, for Hampton and Richmond there, and then it goes down to penalties. And um, Adam Desbois, absolutely full, massive credit to him. He he was a perfect shot stopper uh, in that game throughout the whole afternoon, and especially in the penalty shootout. Um, he sa- he saved two two of the penalties, and each of the Hampton and Richmond players all converted theirs, and sending us through to the fourth round. So um yeah a, a, a fantastic afternoon of football and I think the moment when we went through is up there with Trippier's free kick from the from the World Cup in 2018 in the uh, semi-finals there. So a proper big moment.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic stuff, Johnny, quite contrasting I'm sure. I would imagine that the South End United fans would still at this point be more concerned about the lack of a final news of a takeover um, than they were going out of the FA Trophy. But um, congratulations to everybody involved with Hampton and Richmond. Um, I want to come to you, Joe, on this one. Maybe take a little perspective on it from Southend's point of view. But uh, prior to that, Hampton and Richmond have been in amazing form, haven't they, in the National League South, flying up to the top two or three in, in recent weeks. And do you think it might well have been a combination of that confidence and momentum that they've got, plus the fact that going to Rousseau was an absolute free hit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Hampton have been really good in, in recent months, uh, really improved under Mel Gwinnett. Um, and once they got one goal back in the contest, and given how well they have been playing of late, they probably back themselves to go and get a goal to take it to penalties. Um, from a South Penn perspective, they'll be disappointed Um Even though they are up against a team in form, that they managed to let a a two goal lead slip at home. Um, But yeah, I mean, Hampton and Richmond are, you know, on fire at the moment. And uh, yeah, and penalties is a lottery, isn't it? So uh, yeah, really good win for them. Uh, Disappointing for South End. Come back to you in just a
0: second, Johnny, once more on Hampton and uh, Richmond. But Dickie, um, you've been keeping a close eye on things off the pitch as well at South End. And, um, there's there's kind of uh, word on the streets of, of more potential protests because they're frustrated, aren't they? And they're really concerned. Until that deal is done and over the line, the South End fans won't sleep well.
2: Yeah, I think they're feeling a, a little kept in the dark over um, what's happened with the takeover. It wasn't completed by the date that um, it was originally announced it would be. And, you know, these things don't always run smoothly. But I think they're just their main issue and you can understand given um how long it's taken to get to this point that that they're nervous about this now um is is that they're not being told anything um and that's you know nobody likes to be kept in the dark do they so um yeah i don't know whether protest about that is necessarily the right way to ingratiate themselves to potentially the new owners because of course the new owners um I'm, i'm guessing it's on some of it's on their part, some of it's on the part of Ron Martin. But um, look, we just all hope it gets resolved as soon as possible because, you know, having to add footnotes about Southend, um, but and mentioning the financial trouble is just, it must be so wearing for their fans to have to talk about that rather than just put, talk purely about the football. And, you know, I'm not saying we get fed up of it, but um, we just want them to be able to, you know, get on with playing their football and enjoying their football and and not have to go through the mill again.
0: Yeah, very contrasting fortunes for both clubs. Just coming back to you, Johnny, uh, your opinions of the manager, Manager Mel, um, how has he turned it around when Tom came on before he cited those the lack of home games early on and then the momentum gained by playing so many and picking up so many wins at home? And also, do you feel that Hampton and Richmond can sustain this and and actually, uh, you know, finish in a player position this season?
3: Yeah, I mean, Mel Gwinnett, top man. Um, he's he's come into the club and, as Tom has mentioned on, on previous episodes, you know, tough old start for Hampton and Richmond. But, and I mean, I, I remember I was at the Lewis away game in the FA Cup and that was... Um, it has to be said, it wasn't the best performance from us. It it wasn't great. But ever since then, the team have just gelled so well. And I believe it's the team spirit um, that has just been totally like regenerated. And and it's really showing uh, when they're playing. And I think the players, they they just love to play for the club and what Mel Gwynnett's trying to do. And I think also the owners as well, and Rafa and Stefano Petruzzo as well, their their culture that they brought into the club is just unified the fans with the players, the manager, everybody. And once you've got that confidence running through you, it's it's almost really hard to stop. Um and, and that's and that's been proven. Um, um, I mean, I believe Hampton and Richmond in the top six divisions at the moment are in the have the best form. I think it's only Southampton at are level in terms of being unbeaten in league form. So it just goes to show, it just goes to show, you know, I, I think just having that belief and desire that like the players just want to go out there and give 100% every week. And Mel Gwinnett is, is fostering that and his style of play has just been, has been brilliant Um, in, in games where we've really had to dig deep, even like the, the game against Braintree on Tuesday night. That was a really tough game, um, and Braintree were excellent, but Hampton and Richmond dug deep, and we got that late penalty in the ninety-fourth minute to get us that draw to extend the unbeaten run. Um, and that's and that brings you back to the point I was just saying at the start there. You know, it's once you've got that confidence running through you, it's, that, well, it's almost quite hard to stop. I think.
0: Good stuff. Great points. And and Johnny, um, do you have the time? And do you want to stay with us for a little bit more as we review the FA Trophy, or do you need to get off? Yeah. No, no, I can stay on, no problem at all. Good stuff. All right, well, I'm pretty sure, and and Dickie will confirm this shortly, uh, as I throw to you next, Dickie, um, that the biggest uh, shock, the biggest cup set in the FA Trophy in terms of uh, leagues, divisions between sides, I think it's probably going to be Nantwich against uh, York. N- Nantwich roaring into a lead in that one and... Uh, Eventually, just getting it across the line, but quite a scalp for them taking out York City.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Given the the, the gap between the two sides, um, it is the biggest shock, I think. Uh, I mean, Norwich having home advantage, um, but they've they've used that very very well. I mean, they, I'd say. They roared into a three-goal lead yesterday by the 28th minute. Um Ahmed Ali got the first goal, the second goal from Paddy Kay, and then Connor Rankin added a third. Three nil at half-time. I wouldn't have liked to have been in that York City dressing room. Neil Ardley's a nice guy, but I don't think he's going to be tolerating that, to be perfectly honest. Um York did get themselves back into the game. Linnell John Lewis with a penalty in the 83rd minute and then a goal from Xander Zizibar in the uh, in injury time, actually. Um, but, yeah, not enough, ultimately. Even a red card for um, Nantwich's Byron Harrison later on in the game, that came in injury time. That wasn't enough to prompt a late rally or, or you know, the numeric advantage to be able to count for anything. Um, and yeah, Nantwich's step four team and York City a step one team, uh, and that's a big shock. I watched the post-match interview um, given by Neil Cox, the assistant manager, which I think in itself might tell you something. The fact that Neil Ardley didn't do the interview himself, um, sometimes when the assistant comes out instead, that's never a, a particularly positive sign. And Neil Cox, um, borderline furious, I would say, um, just said that they have players who've been knocking on the door at York City asking to play, asking why they're not playing, asking when they're going to get their opportunity. And he said, look, and when you're knocking on the door and you get your opportunity, you've then got to take it. And they played a number of players yesterday who he said had been asking for that opportunity and they haven't taken it. It sounds as if they might have played themselves even further out of Neil Hardley's plans than they were before. So, um, yeah, I don't think the FA Trophy is necessarily their priority given their position in the league um, but it's just another kick in the teeth of the fans isn't it you know you, everybody loves the, the, the thought of a trip to Wembley and that's not going to be happening for York City this season they've just got to concentrate on um, improving their league position but you know big congratulations to Nantwich uh, they're managed by uh, the former uh, Telford United manager Paul Carden um, he's Got them going quite well. Um, He went in there at the end of last season, couldn't save them from relegation, but has stayed on this year. And uh, yeah, clearly they're they're, they're a competitive side. Um, Neil Cox said that we knew what Nantowich are good at. We knew what they would be about and we'd told the players it would be a difficult game. But clearly those warnings weren't heeded.
0: Clearly not, no. Um, Interesting one for me on the challenge uh, that uh, still very much lays ahead of Neil Hardley. One of the things he inherited was a very large playing squad at York. And, uh, you know, uh, what yesterday may end up facilitating uh, is the departure of uh, some of those uh, fringe players who, who, as you say, were given a chance. Joe, if you've anything to add on that game, please do, as I come to you next uh, for Bath City against Boreham Wood.
1: Um, no, not, nothing really to add on the York uh, York game other than um, obviously owner Matt Ugler said uh, in the week that they're too good to go down. Well, they certainly weren't too good enough to go out of the cup yesterday. Um, but yeah, Bath, um, really good win for them. I actually saw Bath in midweek against Yeovil Town. Uh, they were really uh, unlucky to lose that one 1-0. They had four or five really good chances, ended up losing that game 1-0. Um, but I put it in the upsets, but I didn't really see it as an upset, to be honest. Um, probably was... only, probably only what, six, seven, eight
0: places between the two sides?
1: Yeah, and if I'd have put my money on them, uh, there being any upset this week, it probably would have been Bath. Bourne would have in really poor form this season. Um, and Bath are uh, doing all right. Um, a goal from Dan Hayfield, uh, formerly of Tiverton. He got the only goal with a couple of minutes left. And uh, yeah, a really good win for Bath, um, motoring in the league, and uh, to get through to the next round of the cup as well was a really really positive afternoon. Johnny,
0: have you seen Bath up close and personal yet this season?
1: I most certainly have. Yes,
3: I was at the um, I was at our away fixture uh, against Bath, and we we came away. Uh, The losers in that fixture, Um, Rob Hall, uh, did manage to get a consolation goal at the end there. But um, Bath City are are a terrific side. And uh, um, uh, the managers... uh, Jerry Gill. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. He's he's, he's doing a superb job there. And I think Bath City, like Hampton and Richmond, will be looking to finish in the playoffs at the end of the season.
0: Dickie, coming to you next, Bishop Stortford. Who for the seventeenth time this season, we're going to mention don't really want to be in the National League North. Didn't have to worry about that on Saturday, did they? They just popped down the road to Ebbsfleet uh, from the National League uh, with uh, with the FA Trophy uh, at stake this time or progression to the next round. Tell us how that one went.
2: Yeah, I think we spoke about Bishop Stortford last time. I can't quite remember who they beat in the last round, but the, again, it was sufficiently close to their own ground to feel almost like uh, the, the type of league game they should be playing rather than a cup. Um, yeah, a 2-1 victory away to Ebbsfleet United yesterday. Um, secured on penalties but that won't matter to Bishop Stortford that they, they you know, be thrilled with their progression. Uh, Greg Kundal had put Ebbsfleet into the lead in the 64th minute but then Kane Critchlow equalised in the fourth minute of injury time. Of course, these games go straight to penalties now. There's no extra time. So, you know, straight into the uh, not exactly the lottery of spot kicks, but the test of nerve that is spot kicks. Um, and it was Dominic Samuel of Ebbsfleet whose nerve failed him. He missed their third penalty, and then um, Bishop Stortford put away all five of theirs um, to come through five four, um, and a, a great result for them. And um, again, another b- bitter disappointment for Ebbsfleet United. Um, I think the morale boost of some progress in the trophy, again, given the league position that they're in, could have been quite helpful to them. But, uh, yeah, it's not to be.
0: No, and it's uh, it's not to be for Dagenham and Redbridge either, is it, Joe? Um, they took on Peterborough Sports, and uh, I haven't had a chance to look and see what sort of team they put out in that one. But uh, by the 90 minutes, Peterborough Sports were one all, and that one also went to penalties. How did that go?
1: Yeah, and again, it was the uh, the lower-ranked team that got through. Uh, Dagenham put out a good team. They need wins um, because they're struggling in the league and they need to try and get a bit of form, and this certainly wouldn't help that. Sam Ling got them in front, um, and it looked as if it was going to be sort of plain sailing for them, but it wasn't. And Peterborough Sports managed to get level. Uh, Michael Gash scoring uh, seven minutes after the interval. Um, and unfortunately for Dagenham, it was their finishing in the penalty shootout, which was a bit gash. Um, only scored two of theirs and uh, went out 4-2 on penalties. And I think Ben Strevens would be really disappointed with his side, the fact that they've gone out to Peterborough Sports in the FA Trophy and then also to Bracknell in the FA Cup. You know, the fact they can't even beat teams from the leagues below them um, won't give them much confidence trying to beat teams in their own league. So, uh, yeah, a really disappointing uh, afternoon for Dagenham but lots of uh, positives for Peterborough Sports who uh, are doing doing nicely Yeah well Ben
0: Strevens friend of the podcast been on a, a couple of times with us hasn't he uh, disappointing afternoon for him but I have to say as a Cambridge based um, journalist commentator whatever you want to call me uh, I'm absolutely delighted to see Peterborough Sports progress and uh, well we've got other games to cover in this competition but that's the side I'll be looking out for in the draw and crossing my fingers for um, in terms of a, a potentially local game. Um, Dickie, one more in our category of uh, upsets, really, for you to touch on. Um, again, in terms of the size of the clubs, their crowds, etc. Probably wasn't a huge shock, was it? But in terms of the level of football, Curzon Neil Macclesfield 2, discuss.
2: Yeah, it's strange to think of this as an upset in a way, but based on the leagues that they're in, Coors obviously a National League North side, Step 2, Macclesfield, a Step 3 side, but the difference in um, resources that the two teams have, um, have levelled this one up. And Macclesfield, um, having found life a little bit difficult at Step 3, um, it is their first season there after gaining promotion last season, but... Um, They changed their manager recently. They have Alex Bruce in charge now, the uh, son of former Manchester United player Steve Bruce. Um, And things appear to be looking up under him. Uh, Yeah, they got a 2-0 win at Curzon yesterday, goals from Luke Duffy, and then a penalty from Alex Curran, a former Curzon Ashton player, in the 78th minute. Put the seal on that one. Um, And again in some ways it's an upset that's not an upset because given the the, the trajectory that Macclesfield are on um that they uh, they've they clearly fancied themselves in these sort of competitions that they they they'd be well up for testing themselves against opposition from a higher division um yeah and they've won through
0: okay let's uh, we're not going to cover every single game in detail uh, in the FA trophy third round but uh, some more games that we do want to highlight Joe just flipping back to you initially and then perhaps we'll have a word with Johnny as well but uh, Barnet for Maidstone nil um, kind of represented um, where the two clubs are in the in the hierarchy both doing very well within their own divisions and Maidstone have been well doing absolutely superbly in the FA Cup but it wasn't to be for them in the FA
1: trophy no, and it wasn't. Um, and I was a little bit surprised in truth because obviously I know Barnett have been doing well, but I did expect Maidstone to put up a bit more of a fight away there. Um, three goals in the first half for Barnett, two in the last five minutes of the first half from Nicky Cabamba. Um So you'll be pleased, Rob. Um, yes, because we're counting cup goals. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think George Ellicobi would be really disappointed. You know, if they'd have gone in at half time at 1 0, then it would have given themselves a chance. But to concede twice before the interval in the last couple of minutes is really put the tie to bed. And Dale Gorman did that in the second half with a goal uh, with 15 minutes remaining to uh, see them through 4 0 and a rare clean sheet for Barnet as well. Um, we haven't seen many of those this year. So, uh, yeah, really routine win for Barnet.
0: Yeah, and Johnny, just coming to you, Maidstone uh very definitely one of the teams Hampton and Richmond are in a right old scrap with at the top end of the national league south i guess from that point of view you will probably be slightly disappointed that they're out of another cup
3: yeah yeah you you could say that but obviously like you touched on there rob they're, they're still in, they're still flying in the fa cup um so again that's brilliant for them but um maystone we've we've played them already this season they've they've come to the beverie and we beat them 5-2 we uh, <laughs> it was a That was a truly spectacular game from Hampton-Richmond's point of view as well. Um, But Maidstone are a very big side and obviously they have just come down from the National League. They'll be looking to bounce straight back up and you fully well expect them to be at the top end of the table come the end of the season. And same with the likes of Yeovil and even Torquay United as well. Um, it, and it just, this season in the National League South, it's an incredibly tight competitive league. Um, since I've been following the panorama National League South, this is one of the tightest ones I've seen, particularly with the high standard of teams we've got in there. Um, it's 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 going to be really tough, but, you know, Maidstone bowing out of the FA trophy, like you say, I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's one less thing for them, but I, I think they will really have their eyes on the FA Cup and, um, and, and like I say, they're doing really well in the National League South. So, they're certainly going to be a team to watch as the as the season goes on.
0: A couple of other games to highlight uh, in the North and South areas. Um, Joe, we'll come back to you. Uh, Dorking 3, Maidenhead United nil, And uh, From Town 1, Torquay United 4. Gary in?
1: For This week, anyway, yeah, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a routine, um, professional performance, shall we say, from Torquay. Um, I was a little bit concerned, um, uh, when the teams came out, a lot of youngsters in the team. Um, a teenager was started giving his first minutes ever for Torquay, um, never even seen him in a pre season friendly. Uh, he was thrust straight into the team, uh, and the whole bench was uh, more academy players plus a goalkeeper. Um, but yeah, it was a really good performance, um, big save from Reese Lovett just before half-time at 2-0, uh, he saved a penalty uh, to keep it uh, at 2-0, uh, goals from Theo Williams uh, in the first half uh, and Ollie Tomlinson, a lovely volleyed finish from the edge of the area, uh, he had a really good game um, and yeah, after that it was um, pretty much plain sailing from Torquay for the first half of the second half, uh, another goal from Theo Williams and a. Uh, first goal on his return for Will Jenkins-Davis to make it 4-0. Froome did manage to try and get back into it. Got a goal. They hit the post. They had a goal uh, chalked off. uh, But, uh, yeah, a really good win for Torquay. Um, The fact that they had such a stretch squad. uh, Four academy players were on the pitch come the end. um, So, yeah, really good afternoon.
0: So, maybe some momentum building at playing more now. Quick word on uh, Dorkin, just a few seconds left on this one. Joe, 3-0, got it right, didn't they, against Maidenhead?
1: Yeah, um, lots of teams have been against Maidstone. Uh, sorry, against Maidenhead, so uh, uh, Mark White would be really pleased to uh, get through that one quite easily. Um, and uh, yeah, only two goal scorers showed up in BBC Sports. I'm not sure he got the third, but uh, yeah, good win for them. Yeah, Bobby
0: Joe Taylor assist for the first goal. He got the second and McShane with the third and Dickie in terms of smooth progression, and four goals as well. So let me add this up. That's eight goals in three games now for Kidderminster.
2: Yeah, indeed. Um, they um, came through against local rivals Stourbridge. Is a, a big game in this part of the country, I have to say, when Kidderminster and Stourbridge face one another, but um, not too much of a contest, unfortunately. Ryan McLean, um, he's on loan to Kidderminster. From Wimbledon, I believe. He uh, got them on the mark after 14 minutes. And then Ashley Hemmings took over. Um, it was his show from there on in. He put away a 23rd minute penalty to put them 2 nil up, scored a third after 34 minutes, and added. His hat-trick goal and Harry is fourth in the 70th minute to make it 4-0. Niall Flint um, did get a goal back for Stourbridge in the 89th minute, but a mere consolation for them. Um, Some good news for Kidderminster this week as well. On a couple of fronts, they signed Golda Mateo from AFC Fylde in the week, which... um, an undisclosed he was involved. He's not really fitted in AFC filed, I don't think. Um, and clearly that's a vote of confidence in Russ Penn that he's identified a target and the board have allowed him to go out and get him. So that feels like a little bit of a, a, a nod towards Russ and that they're prepared to back him. Um, also good news from yesterday was the fact that Shane Byrne played in that game. He's been missing since the first game of the season, got injured against Woking on opening day, a goalless draw. Um, I'm a huge fan of Shane Burns. He's a, a super nice guy, but a really, really good player as well. He'd be a big miss for Kidderminster. He just keeps things ticking over in the middle of the park um, and he'll be a big player for them to have back for the second half of the season.
0: And gold on Mateo's agent. Well, wow. <laughs> Two undisclosed fees in the space of four months now uh, for on Mateo. Um, he he really is one of those strikers that a little bit like Denanga and sometimes occasionally at a certain club um, it's not worked out for him and other clubs he's been quite prolific hasn't he Dick?
2: Yeah he has um, you know he's, he's- It did well for uh, Kingslin clearly. And I think when Kingslin weren't promoted last season, it was always very likely that he wasn't going to be sticking around. I did wonder when he went to Fylde in the summer, how that might work out, how they might intend to use him. um, Because obviously Nick Horton um, is the go-to guy at Fylde. um, And I I was intrigued to see how that partnership or or how they might uh, fit in together. Clearly, it hasn't really worked given, you know, filed have been finding the net. They've been scoring lots of goals, but the trouble is they've been letting in too many. I think they, it's defensive recruitment um, that, that's been the issue there and defensive reinforcements. So if they feel the need to release somebody who they can get a fee for in order to make some moves... Um, Defensively, They've let Alex Whitmore go as well. He's joined Solihull Moors recently. So you get the feeling that Fylde are gearing up for a bit of a a January shuffle in the hopes of getting themselves away from the bottom of the table.
0: All right. A couple of other games we wanted to highlight in the FA Trophy. Um, Hartlepool won 5-1 at City of Liverpool. Um, A very different scoreline at half-time in that one, Dickie. Um, So, uh, tell us what happened. Uh, And also, Chesterfield 6-Southport 1 probably doesn't need a great deal of discussion.
2: Yeah, a comfortable progression for Chesterfield yesterday. If you actually look at the goal scorers in that game, it seems fairly clear to me that Paul Cook um, didn't put out the strongest side that Chesterfield have, and they still went through by a score of six goals to one. Um, Richie Bennett did put Southport a goal ahead after 17 minutes, but they were 2-1 down by half time. Michael Jacobs um, with an equaliser, and then Harley Curtis in the 44th minute. Um, I've got just two goals for Jessup here. I've got one for James Berry McNally, then Jessup with two, and then an injury time, six goal to rub salt in the wind from Ali Aftab Mohidin. I think Southport knew they were had a really tough task yesterday. Um, they, they knew they were potentially up against it, but the, no doubt that Jim Bentley will be pretty disappointed that they've come away on the end of a hiding like that one by 6-1. Yeah, City of Liverpool and Hartlepool only one goal less than that, that was a 5-1 win for Hartlepool, I think City of Liverpool are a step four team as well, um, Josh Qualis scored after just two minutes for them and and um, it was City of Liverpool who were the bigger pool at half time, but uh, yeah, they got swamped in the second half by John Askey's Hartlepool, uh, two goals there for uh, Manny Disa-Rivway uh, goal for Nicky Featherstone, uh, there was a goal in that one as well for Callum Cook and then the final goal of the game came from Louis Stevenson, I do hope his first name's Robert, because
0: <laughs>
2: that would be lovely, wouldn't it? Bit of treasure. It would. Around. It
0: would. A quick look at some other scores. We won't necessarily talk about them in any great detail, but Aveley won Hungerford Town one, and that was an absolute crack in penalty shootout. Ended up eight seven to Avley in that one. They really are a force at home. Scott Davies's uh, Slough Town had a really really difficult tie, probably. I mean, other than Chesterfield away, it couldn't have been any harder, could it, really? Bromley away, and Bromley were 1-0 up within a minute in that one, but that actually is how it ended. So a great deal of credibility for Scotty Davis's men there. Uh, Chippenham 5, Gloucester City 3, looks a bit of a cracker as well, Dickie. Any, uh, Any points of note on that one?
2: Yeah, it was interesting. The first goal in that one for Chippenham came from Matt McClure. Of course, he used to be a Gloucester player. Um, I think he left partway through last season. It was a goal from Luke Haynes as well before half-time. Two goals from Craig fasson Monday and Tom Owen Evans. I don't know if he's still a Kidderminster player and he's on loan to Chippenham or whether he's actually departed uh, Agbra now. But yeah, those were the five scorers there. Goals for Gloucester from Joe Hanks, Ben Beresford and Liam Cross. But uh, yeah, Chippenham always in control of that one.
0: Okay, and uh, Chorley two Blythe Spartans nil. I'm only really mentioning because I want to mention that the uh, uh, the very lovely Jamie Vermiglio was on the non-league show on Thursday. the, the latest edition of that was out. I would a listen to that on my drive at the weekend. Always good to hear from uh, Jamie Vermiglio, who really is uh, a, becoming a proper club man at Chorley now, having played for him, managed him, and managed uh, them, and and uh, now he's looking after things. Uh, off the pitch as well I think is he director of football I can't remember what the role is Dick I
2: think he's chairman um, yeah, so Director of footballs another one for him to aspire to he's he's filled quite a lot of roles there um, if he can get one that one it's full house for Jamie I think but uh, yeah comfortable win for them yesterday Mike Calverley in the first half Jack Sampson in the second half um, Graham Fenton not especially thrilled about Blythe's performance but um, Graham Fenton often doesn't sound very thrilled about Blythe's performances I think that's just the type of man he is <laughs>
0: All right. Uh, um, I've got a game to talk about briefly. Um, Joe, you wanted to mention one more as well.
1: Yeah, um, just a shout out to uh, to Hendon, really, and Lee Allenson there. Um know him well. as a friend of my blog. and uh, He managed to uh, cause another cup set uh, yesterday, albeit not a very uh, big one, as they beat Weymouth. 2-0 win for them. Goals in the first half from McNabb and in the uh, third minute of stoppage time from Billy Leonard. Uh, really good win for them as they go marching on. They've really improved in the league as well this year, so uh, doing well on both fronts. Commentating yesterday for BBC
0: Surrey Sport, um, I had frequent updates from Edgar Street where South Park um, conducted themselves brilliantly and uh, just went down by the odd goal at uh, Hereford. and um, AFC Fylde came through on penalties after a 2 draw at Nuneaton Borough. And a game that um, Latix fans will probably be hoping we've completely forgotten about or skirted over, we can't afford to, because it really should have been in the uh, cup sets section. Um, But unfortunately for Mikelova, despite getting themselves a three-all draw, they did bow out in the end on penalties, Joe, didn't they?
1: Yeah, um, a real cracker there. Um, And it's the hope that killed you. Quite literally for Michelover. Um, He got a goal, and uh, a player that I uh, highlighted on my blog uh, in our advent calendar, Ollie Greaves, scored for Mikelova there. Um, he's been in really good form. So, uh, yeah, good win or good uh, good performance for them. Shame to go out on penalties.
0: Solly Moors bounced back on Friday night with a 2 0 win away at Scunthorpe in the FA Trophy. And uh, Welling and Brackley drew 1 all with Welling coming through. 4-3 on penalties. A number of games were postponed and still need to take place. And uh, other than them, that just leaves um, Eastley 11th in the National League against Aldershot, currently 6th. And um, well Aldershot have had so much airtime on this podcast, I'm going to keep it brief today. But uh, there was another difficult moment for goalkeeper Jordi van Stake- Stapershoef at... Uh, um, the Silver Lake, when uh, he let a relatively harmless looking shot from former shot um, Jaden Harris squirm underneath his body. Shots then went 2 0 down to a Paul McCallum goal. There was a sending off for Francile of uh, Eastley. And all the shot got ahead of a steam, a steam up against the 10 men, uh, came back into it with goals from Barham and from Haji Minoga on a season loan from uh, Portsmouth. And that one ended up in a penalty shootout too. Van Stapershoef would have his redemption, uh, making a brilliant save from Atten Garner, one-handed at full stretch away to his left, having had a difficult penalty shootout as well up to that point, where he'd been frequently going the opposite way to where the ball went. And uh, Jack Barham, who got the scoring going for shots, completed the deal uh, with the sixth penalty, a 5-4 win for the Shots, who progressed to what I hope will be a tie away to Peterborough Sports in the next round. Johnny, I'm just going to ask you, I mean, I was just shameless there in saying I'd like all shots to draw Peterborough Sports away. Have you, got, um, have you got a desire for Hampton-Richard? I guess you'd like a home game, would you? Well,
3: I mean, I'm a big fan of an away day. Am I correct in saying in the fourth round the FA Trophy gets nationalised?
0: I think it does. I did read somewhere yesterday that it was still regionalised and I saw that comment corrected uh, supposedly by somebody else.
3: Well, if it if it is nationalised, I'd love an away day at the likes of Chesterfield or just, just a big away day for me. I mean, my dream is to play a game of football away and have to fly somewhere to go watch non-league football. I just think that's unmatched. You just don't see that anywhere else. <laughs> You need Gateshead
0: away then, mate. I think.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. that's what I was jokingly said yesterday. Gateshead away is the dream one. Um, but I mean, it would be it would be fantastic for Hampton and Richmond to have a really good campaign in the FA Trophy this season. And I mean, I guess in theory, you, you if you want that to to improve your chances of going through, you want to draw lower league opposition if possible. Um, but personally, I'm a I am just a massive fan of. Of, of going against, of being the underdogs and going against the big boys. And um, and especially with the form Hampton and Richmond are in right now, i fancy us against any of them. I really would. Um, uh,
0: so I, I would, I, I'd, I'd take any of them on. <laughs> well, it's only fair now, having had uh, a, 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 an ideal draw for me and one for you, that we do come to Joe. And Joe, if you say at home to Aldershot, you're off this podcast, mate.
1: Uh I just want as easy as game as possible. Um, really. So we might actually win a game. Um but uh yeah, I mean the 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 focus for us is the league, um and just getting promoted. So I know some fans want to try and get to Wembley. Um I I'm not too fussed about the FA trophy. Um I would like to see one of the big teams away potentially for a nice away day, but uh, yeah. But hopefully a nice local one so I can go and cover it. Good stuff. All right, we're going to take a look now at the
0: National League action. So just the five games to cover in the National League, North and South. There were three in the North. Sorry, there were three in the South and two in the North. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll start in the South. Um, and the first game we have to talk about involved the top side. Who had the opportunity to stretch their lead to nine points yesterday? Uh, Yeovil Town with an away game at Dartford—did they do that, Joe? Uh,
1: they did not. Uh, they didn't. They couldn't win the game. Uh, speaking to a couple of Yeovil fans that went to the game, uh, Bowler County should have been five or six nil at half time. They had loads of opportunities, uh, but like they did at, ch- at Chippenham uh, with the dominance in the game, they could only come away with a point. Um, And they had to come from behind in that game to actually get a point. Uh, Reese Murphy, back in the side, he missed the game at Bath uh, on Wednesday night. He got them ahead from the spot uh, before goals from uh, George Alexander recently uh, recalled from Slough and sent out on loan to Dartford. He got a goal before Richard Chin, uh, he scored. And it was uh, that man again, Jordan Young, uh, that scored for the Oval. He's been excellent this season. Uh, he got a goal with 12 minutes left to uh, level the the scores, and uh, yeah, I think Yovo will be disappointed that uh, after a big win on on Sat, oh, sorry, on Wednesday night that they couldn't follow up with a a win, uh, given that they played so well. I know obviously people say win your home games and draw your away games, but uh, yeah, they'll be slightly disappointed not to win that one.
0: And a bit of a morale boost in draw, perhaps for Dartford, who haven't had the start to the season that they wanted, but. Uh that point leaves them four points off the playoffs they'll still feel they can play a part in them and coming to you then Johnny um, if that game was good at two well they could boast doubling that at Worthing where it ended up Worthing for St Albans City for I don't know how much you're aware of the goings-on in that match but uh, just give us your take and your take on those two teams Worthing who Sit sixth now and uh, St Albans who have dropped right down to 17th Yeah I mean Worthing and St
3: Albans two very good sides Um St Albans of course um, were in the playoff the uh, National League South playoff final uh, last season so you would expect them to be fighting up the top half of the table once again but it has seemed to have it has seemed to have dropped off a little bit as of late um, and Worthing of course a very well run club um also doing very well at the moment I mean Four four is an absolute cracker of a game. I mean, and that chap, um the goal scorer Ag- Ag- Aguar, I can't pronounce his surname, but no, he's he's been one, he's been a big threat for him up for him up front. Um, and I was doing commentary for Hampton Richmond at the home game when we played Wor- uh, Worthing. Um, we did we did get the win, yes. Uh, <laughs> um, but but Worthing are a very a oh, very oh, good...
0: Johnny Johnny. Oh goodness! Oh god! Oh goodness!
3: <laughs> oh, no. I know, sorry, I don't want to keep plugging in more good, good things about Hampton-Richmond here. But...
0: <laughs> Great stuff. No. And Joe, uh, point you wanted to make on Worthing as well?
1: Yeah, well, it's a funny one with Worthing. I, I saw them earlier in the season, I was so impressed with them. Um, but with every passing game, I seem to be a little left a little bit underwhelmed with them. Um, and uh, Adam Hinsherwood would be hoping that... Uh, Father Christmas brings him a defensive formula underneath the tree. Because uh, defensive they are shambolic. Um, I know they, they got a draw on Saturday, but out of 21 games this season, that's now six games that they've conceded four. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's almost a third of their games in which they've shipped four goals. So, uh, yeah, not a good afternoon for them.
0: No, not at all. Um, only Yeovil have scored more goals than Worthing in the National League South. But only six sides have conceded more than them, uh, although they do, as I say, sit sixth in the table. One other game to cover in the National League. And uh, we noticed the uh, gradual drift down the table from St Albans City. It might appear to be happening at uh, Farnborough as well. Um, They travel to Taunton, Joe. And By the end of the game, Taunton find themselves just a place and a point behind them, don't they?
1: Yeah, and it was a really good uh, afternoon for them. Uh, 4-0 win for Taunton. Um, at this point, I've, I can virtually start a Rob Dre uh, supporters club uh, on this podcast because uh, he continues to do such a fantastic job for Taunton. Uh, four goals from them yesterday from Chamberlain and and James to give them a 2-0 lead before they made sure that with uh, another goal from Ross Stern. Uh, and a goal with four minutes remaining from Cameron Evans, and another clean sheet for Dan Lavercomb. Um He uh, came in during the summer and has been brilliant for them. Uh, so, yeah, really good win for Taunton. We always think of Taunton as a team that uh, they can't really score that many goals. Um, more of the defensive strengths for them, but uh, nice for them to, to get four goals and another clean sheet, another three points. Quick word from you, Johnny,
0: before we move to the south. The bottom end of uh, the National League South, which, of course, you'll be delighted, Hampton and Richmond are nowhere near now, although they were two months ago. Um, Welling, Eastbourne, Dover and and Waterlooville are currently the bottom four. And then there's a two-point gap up to the likes of Truro and Slough Town, who surely, don't want to put the curse on them, but surely they must be too good to go down. Um, What's your take on the bottom end and... uh, who do you think is shoo-in to uh, fall through the trapdoor, and who in that current bottom four might get out of it?
3: Well, I mean, Haven't and Waterlooville are just having an absolutely torrid time at the moment. I believe they've they've already sat manager Steve King, uh, I believe the last week. I believe, um, and they did, and they got their second victory of the season against Dover uh, last week. I believe so. A, possibly a little bit of. A little bit of light at the end of the tunnel there for Having and Waterloo, but it's just a really grim situation for them. And if you look at how many points adrift they are, I mean, historically, haven't and Waterlooville have been high flyers in the National League South and have had their time in the National League before. So I, I want to say that they shouldn't be there come the end of the season, but that is one hell of a mountain they've got to climb to get out of there. And then Dover. Dover last season were also flirting down there with relegation. They only just about stayed up last season. I mean, I, I I don't think it's looking, I don't think it's looking great for Dover at the moment. And then Eastbourne as well. I believe Eastbourne had new um new man- uh, ownership change. I believe or something down at Eastbourne. So you would be surprised to see them down there. We, even our first game of the season against Eastbourne. Eastbourne did beat us, um, and Eastbourne looked really good, but. As the season's gone on, it's just just got not really going right for them at the moment. And then Welling United, of course, um, also last season were also in the bottom half, so they're struggling down there. But if you look down there, it's tight. Like um, I think it's it's difficult really to say who you think's well and truly going to be down there because the the, the the points difference between everyone is so close down at the bottom. But I have to say the the, the big point for me is having a Waterlooville shouldn't be down there, but I just really am struggling to see how they're going to get out.
0: Yeah, it's going to be very, very difficult for them. Um, I just wanted to add that Slough Town might be in a bit of a false position, really, because they've got three or four games in hand due to their exploits in the Cup, of course. Um, and Joe, just a final point from you on the South.
1: Yeah, um, obviously, we've had a couple of bits of news uh, since the last sort of round of uh, fixtures in the South. Mitch Brundle losing his job at Dover, which I have to say I think is a little bit harsh. I think he's done a good job actually at Dover. Yes, they're sitting second from bottom, um, but from what he's had to work with, I think they've done a good job. Um, And uh, Truro now under new ownership uh, and their manager Paul Watton signing a new contract. Um, Although they're teetering above the drop zone, they'll be hoping now they're under new ownership, they can uh, sail away from the bottom four.
0: Just a point of detail, Jake, LaBerle and Mike Sandman have been given the reins at Dover. And, uh, well, time will tell if this is uh, perhaps a better decision uh, than uh, Jim Parment has been making over the last two or three years. Right, let's switch our attention to the National League North uh, now uh, with yourself, Dickie. Just the two games to cover. And I know you wanted to start uh, towards the top end. Uh, a meeting of uh, two of the um, promotion hopefuls, Chester and Tamworth. Tell us about that one.
2: Yeah, it was. uh, Tamworth travelled to Chester yesterday um, in what probably would have been the biggest game in the division had everybody been playing, um, as it was with only two games going ahead. Banbury Darlington was off because of a waterlogged pitch. Um, It was certainly the game of the day of the North and Chester, full value for a 2-0 win. Elliot Whitehouse, getting them on the mark in the 11th minute. And then there was a goal in the second half from Owen Windsor. So um, it's not often that Tamworth are kept off the score sheet, but they were. Um, They are still second in the table. Chester are very ominously up to fourth they did have a little bit of a wobble around the cup competitions they went out to nantwich in the trophy i think they went out to uh york city in the fa cup probably within a few days of one another um but that was the only real hiccup that that chester have had in a while i think they're unbeaten in five there's three wins in those five and they're getting wins and they're getting points from uh some quite challenging games I would say you know they've got the lead a a team that's been close to the top there all season they've beaten them they've been going away from home and getting points at places like South Shields Um, and Chester are starting to look like the kind of promotion favourites they were tipped as at the start of the season
0: Yeah now nine points behind leaders Scunthorpe with a game in hand so they could still have a say in that uh, title race and aside, side who could still have a say in the playoffs, off We've noted how well they've settled in the National League North. But uh, they had a romping win yesterday against Scarborough Athletic, and that's Warrington Town. Um, they've uh, gone level on points and indeed ahead on goal difference now of Scarborough as a result of a thumping 4-0 win.
2: Yeah, nice bounce back for Warrington as well. They went down 2-1 at Hereford in midweek. Um, and were actually reduced to nine men before half-time. They had <laughs> Connor Woods and Bohan Dixon both dismissed. Managed to equalise when they only had nine men, but a second half goal for uh saw the home tie take the points there. There was a red card in this game yesterday as well, and it was for the opposition. Scarborough had Ryan Qualter sent off after half an hour for taking Josh Amos out as Amos was bearing down on goal. Qualter had already got a yellow card, so um, whether it was a denial of a goal-scoring opportunity or not, he was going to get a second yellow. He walked. Sean Williams put away the penalty. Isaac Buckley Ricketts then added a second just before half time. And Amos himself got a goal in the 64th minute with a goal for Connor Woods in the 68th, a thumping win for Warrington. And not a performance and a result that sets up Scarborough particularly well. Um, for their rather surprising re-inclusion in the FA Cup, which was something that we became aware of to I think it was being rumoured at the end of last week uh, or when we did the podcast last week that that possibly Scarborough might be back in the competition because of uh, Forrest Green fielding an ineligible player. I know there's been lots of fuss about this one and saying how come Forrest Green weren't kicked out given that Burnley were kicked out. I don't know the name of the player involved. My understanding of it was that Forrest Green did have permission to play a player who was on loan to them but just hadn't put it on the form. And so that's why there was a slight difference. But anyway, the tie is going to be replayed. It's going to be replayed this week, and Scarborough versus Forest Green to see who plays ball. I think that tie will take place a week later because they've got to get that one done in order that they can get the third-round tie lined up for who's going to make the trip to Nottingham Forest. That is still a possibility for Scarborough, but they've got two ties to come through, and given that they've got a thumping against Forest Green in that replay of that first tie, you would say the odds are against them, but it's nice to dream, isn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And they could become the uh, second uh, club uh, from the National Leagues to uh, uh, to be uh, knocked out twice of the FA Cup. Oh, no, in fact, that's wrong, isn't it? Because uh, Horsham exited uh, twice the FA Cup this season, but they're not, of course, in the National League. That replay... or oh, sorry. That game is being uh, replayed on uh, Tuesday, as are the other replays. Barnet will welcome Newport County to the Hive. Can definitely see a potential uh, shock in that one, um, and uh, Alfreton um, will go to Walsall. And uh, Dicky, I don't think prior to the original tie when they did get that going, many people thought Alfreton would uh, would be heading to Walsall for a replay.
2: No, I'm not sure the, that they would. I think certainly, I, I watched the game when it did actually take place last Tuesday, or I watched it um, on catch up. Um, Walsall started the game really well. Um, It took Olsutton a little while to get into it, but pretty determined, dogged effort from Billy Heath's side, and he certainly felt they deserved a second crack at it. It will be tough at Walsall. Walsall got um, a really surprising 2-1 win away at Notts County yesterday, so that's a big confidence boost for them because I don't think Walsall had been on brilliant form. That was one of the reasons that Olsutton-Walsall was picked for TV because of the potential for a giant killing. Um, But, yeah, it's odds against Billy Heath's team, but we wish them well in the same way we wish all the National League teams well in their replays in the week, including your very own, Rob.
0: Well, according to the non-league paper, it's not on, but I think Aldershot might be playing away at Stockport County. uh, Live on BBC Two on Wednesday evening, the first time uh, that any Aldershot side, Aldershot FC or Aldershot Town, have been live on terrestrial television. But uh, we uh, get ahead of ourselves. FA Trophy, third round. uh, Proper games that got postponed at the weekend. Hopefully, we'll go ahead on Tuesday night. A couple of all-National League ties. um, Halifax, FC Halifax Town against Aldringham. uh, Rochdale against Gateshead. That should be a cracker. Both sides in pretty decent form there. Uh, Woking will hope to get their game on at uh, Western Supermare. And Wealdstone will play host to Billericay Town. Uh, and there's games in the National League North and South as well. One of which is though, w- which of those is in the Southwest, Joe? Have you been along to Taunton yet this season? I mean, I don't see how they could be playing at home to Western Supermare on Tuesday if Western Supermare
1: are at home to Woken as well. Yeah, well, I, think, uh, I haven't been to watch uh, Taunton uh, this season. I was going to watch them when they played Torquay United a couple of weeks ago, but that game was called off uh, because of, uh, I think it was postponed because Taunton were Cup games themselves. Uh, but there isn't any game for Taunton this week. Um, there is actually a, a National League cell fixture this week in that not on Waterlooville host Hemel Hempstead on Wednesday night. Uh big one for them to try and get some points, but... Uh, yeah, i um, will see some National League North games as well uh, on Tuesday night. So, uh, yeah, lots to get abreast on uh, in the coming week.
0: Yeah, what's the pick of the uh, National League North games in the week for you, Dickie? I think four fixtures due to go ahead.
2: Yeah, I was just having a look through them. Uh, certainly, I mean, the list I've got has Scarborough playing Boston, which certainly is taking place for of Scarborough's Cup replay. To um, I think these are legacy north, which is why there's a glut of them and there's not so many in the south or the National League itself Um, just having a quick look through uh, I definitely say I'm not sure any of them really jumps out at me Um, possibly Chorley against Buxton is an interesting one Um, we spoke about Jamie Vermiglio of course he went to Buxton as manager, didn't last too long there um he's now back at actually as chairman so his two themes meeting one another and buxton a team i tipped to do well at the start of the season um that was probably the kiss of death for them they really could do um with a few positive results to boost them at the table so yeah maybe that one
0: all right well uh that pretty much concludes this week's podcast uh johnny great to have you on have you enjoyed yourself
3: i absolutely have thank you very much for having me chaps and um I'll be more than happy to come back on if if you'd like.
0: (laughs) Yeah, great stuff. Great to hear um, your refreshing enthusiasm. uh, And well done, Hampton and Richmond. Long may uh, their success continue in the National League South and uh, in the Cups. And uh, um, Dickie, um, good to see you as always. Have you got a game yourself in the week to cover?
2: Um, No, I haven't actually. No, um, we're supposed to be playing uh, a game on Tuesday, but that's gone by the bye because Colville Town, uh, their opponents are still in the FA trophy. They've got to replay away at Walsall Woods at step three against step four. I could be tempted to have a trip out, but I could equally be tempted to stay at home and just find out what happens on social media. And Joe, I
0: think you'll need a bit of a lie down most of the week, won't you, after three, is it, or four successive Torquay
1: wins? Well, six wins out of seven, actually. Um, So, uh, yeah, um, I am actually going home for Christmas this weekend. uh, So I will see Torquay United uh, this weekend, which unfortunately means I will miss Yeovil at home as they've got Hampton and Richmond on Saturday. So um, I'll miss Uh, the chance to see Johnny on Saturday and I'll be watching Torquay hopefully beat hamill Hempstead.
0: And just to be clear as well, Joe's not having his Christmas this weekend, but he's just got lots of time off and he's going to stay there until Christmas. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah.
0: Brilliant stuff. Um, That just also uh, reminds me to thank our producer, Luke Edwards and uh, have a great footballing week, everybody. And uh, Luke play the theme tune.